Welcome to the latest episode of the Chalk Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan McNeil, and I'm joined by Daryl Duvall, as always. Today, we have basketball trainer and former professional basketball player, Eric Daly, talking about his basketball initiatives, his basketball crews, and his young, talented son, Eric Daly Jr. Hey, Coach, you know, I just want to say thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule. Mm-hmm. to uh, come about uh, talking to us. I know it's kind of, you know, it's crazy in California. It's crazy in Texas. It's crazy in Florida. We shutting everything down. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, but I want to kind of talk about, you know, start off with your training international. I, I love your your bio when you started mm-hmm. off, you know, TCU. And, you know, it's kind of funny. They, were, they interviewed the TCU athletic director yesterday about, you know, what's going on in the campus. And I'm really proud of what TC has done this year, especially NFL, you know, bringing out some players. And I mean, that school is really just taking it to the next level. But, you know, kind of talking about, you know, you know, I was looking at some of you, you got basketball cruises, you got, you know, training camps, global, uh, global cup and combat. So you got a lot of different things you got going on. And then you got your son, man, your son is, and so, I mean, hey, you got a lot, you know, so let's kind of talk about your what you're doing, you know, uh, and then kind of revert to, you know, how COVID-19 has affected it and then kind of going from that point. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, well, it started as I was retiring. Actually, as I was playing over in Europe, I understood that I didn't want to work for anyone over here. So I just started gathering information, contacts, um, you know, seeing which field I wanted to go in within the professional basketball realm. And as I was uh, living in South Carolina, I started training with George Glimp. He, he coached with uh, Isaiah in Indiana and with New York. Uh, he was Jermaine O'Neal's high school coach. And I watched him come into the gym every day with two balls and be like, y'all ready? And he worked us out for a couple hours. And I was like, man, I kind of like that. You know, I like, I like the training because I was coming off of injuries. So I was always in the gym and then, you know, I got a passion for the game. So I took that and then traveling to all the countries I played in, uh, made those my markets and then went back to Europe, Asia, and South America, man, and just started implementing basketball training camps all over the world uh, in 2005. So as, after 2005, um, you know, I was always trying to find a location here and uh, my partner from Italy called me and said he had about, you know, 40 players he wanted to bring here. And I was like, well, why don't we do it at Disney? And I was just talking, you know, I was like, let's do it at Disney. And he was like, yeah, that's a good spot. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how are we going to get in touch with Disney? Like, so I just text, I'm sorry, I emailed Disney. Um, and I also emailed Eckert College, which is where I do my training camps at now. And I got an email about two weeks later from uh, the captain said ESPN WWOS in all letters together. So I was like, man, this got to be like spam. I opened it up and Disney was like, hey, we like your resume. We want to talk to you about, you know, doing your events here. And I was like, wow. So I took my business partner to uh, Disney. And initially I was about putting together training camps there because it's the perfect location. And they were like, well, we want you to put together 
um, international competition, like our soccer World Cup. And I was like, mm, I really wasn't with it. But at mm. first, and then I was like, well, if I can do an event here at Disney, you know, that's going to help me with big marketing opportunities. And so in 2010, I got a five-year contract with Disney. And we didn't do it in 11 because it was so difficult to actually get teams to come over here from across the world. And we put it together in 2012. That was the first year I had. Basically, the, um, the NBA event is my event. So I did it first. I, did, I had 32 international teams come to Disney. Um, everybody played four games. You know, we had the championships. I, I, I called it the Global Cup. So we did it in 2013, 2014. My contract was over in 15. Then AAU started doing an international championship, basically piggyback off of what I did because I became their international basketball director. Um, I didn't have the deal, but they had it now. So after I spoke with some of the execs at Disney, then they got the information and then they put it all together. And now it's the junior NBA. It's the same concept. Um, so that's how it started, but I'm not like a tournament guy. So it was okay. And I knew the basketball wasn't good. Only the NBA could do it like they did it because they could put money behind it and bring the top teams here before you can't have a championship and it be open because you don't know what you're getting. And that's what happened. So I'd have like teams from China losing by a hundred points to a Nike team from, you know, from Dallas. And I'm basketball, man. I was like, that's bad basketball. I can't really have, you know, a team coming all the way across the world and getting blasted. So the vetting process took a lot of money and only the NBA could do it. So now they have, you know, they're doing it. Um, but that, that propelled me out into the world, man. So many people knew daily training and I had so many teams that wanted to come here just for training camp. Um, so in 20, 14 up until now i probably bought 20 countries here for training camp uh so they'll come here and then i, I partner with els so els the english language services over at Eckerd college uh provide opportunity for a player to learn english we provide the training we provide the um the college opportunities uh the exposure and then i can bring all my guys who are former pro guys and coaches to come in and uh, you know, implement their expertise to 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 the world, basically. Uh, so that's kind of how we got started. And, you know, now my son has grown up in it. He played in the first Global Cup. He was nine playing in the U-12s just because, you know, he, he was three years younger. And he's grown up and he's traveled to these countries and he's seen all of this. And he's also getting, you know, top consulting in the world uh, from us. And it's paying, you know, big dividends uh, for him now and for other players. Hey, Coach, I have a friend, uh, Pete Strobel. He went to he played basketball at Niagara College in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. He went overseas for about 10 years. Love that experience. He came back to Pittsburgh where his wife grew up, started the scoring factory. Now he's back uh -huh. overseas as a coach. For you, you have over 10 years playing overseas. Um, your son's gained some of that experience now playing overseas at these camps. How has your 
experiences uh, playing basketball overseas impacted the kind of trainer that you are now today? Oh, man. I'm so far outside the box now because I've had so many different coaches and the styles of play is different in, in each country. So I had in Japan, I had the national team coach. In Latvia, I had the Russian national team coach who was my coach. Um, we were Euro Cup team and he was one of the top coaches in Russia. Uh, in Puerto Rico, uh, I had a coach who coached in, in the Olympics. All of those are different styles of play. Japan may be, you know, a different style than Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's running gun. Europe is pass and cut. Um, so when you mix that up with me being an American player, you know, I got so much knowledge. And then I've, I've been in three training camps, um, the San Antonio, um, Orlando, and Dallas. So, you know, I was down there with, with Greg Popovich. That's a whole different, you know, uh, intellect when, when it comes to the game. So all of that information, man, I put it all together and mixed it up in the blender. And man, I got so much knowledge just from <laughs> traveling the world and playing against these, you know, other countries. Just following up quickly on that one, your son's getting an opportunity to play at these international competitions. How are you finding that experience is helping your son as well? It's kind of similar to what you had, all these different coaches, all these different experiences, styles of play. It kind of just, it adds to the mix, right? Oh, definitely, man. He's, he's so versatile right now. He's beyond his years. He's, he's six, eight, he's playing at six, eight. He's a forward. He can, I mean, he's so much far advanced than I was at 16 uh, because he can go over and play the European style. He can play run and gun style here. He's athletic. So, He's like an athletic Luka Doncic. You know, he's, he's playing way oh, above oh. the rim. He can shoot the three. You know, he wants to pass the ball. So he's not just out there dribbling, you know, 12, 13 times in one spot and trying to score himself. He, he gets excited by, you know, feeding the next man. And I think that comes from playing over there, man, because it was just a totally different style of play. But if you look at the NBA now, it's that, you know, they start off with horns and they ain't running horns in AAU. They're running horns in Europe and in the NBA. Um, so he's so far advanced, man, just from getting all that information and, and getting it from me as well. And so he, uh, you know, Ryan, I kind of capitalized back on what Ryan just said about playing overseas in, in, in Europe. And obviously the conversation, you know, do you feel that, you're getting more experience playing overseas and then coming back here? No doubt, man. It's again, um, if you look at a if you look at a young player here and the way they play, you might can go look at your, any mixtape. Nobody's passing and cutting. If you look at the NBA, they're passing and cutting and they got the mixtape involved. So the youth over here don't get that pass and cut. On a, on a big realm. Some do, but most don't. You know, when you look at videos, it's one-on-one. -on -one. When you go over to Europe and you just, man, you can YouTube EuroLeague and this it's beautiful basketball. It's not, you know, come down, I can jump higher than you. It's, you know, you can't beat the ball down the court 94 feet quicker than I can pass it. So that's what they're doing. They're passing, they're cutting, they're excellent 
skilled players, not athletic athletes, but they can shoot it. They can handle the ball. Their passing is, is much better just because they do it every day. And I remember playing in Spain and we played um, the U18 national team. We had an all-star team. This was my second year out and they bought their U18 national team to play against the Americans. And I looked on the other end, I'm like, man, we about to kill these little kids. They beat us by 20 because they, they passed the ball, they moved the ball, they could all shoot. So uh, Eric played over there last year, year, last year, last year against Real Madrid. And I was filming the game. Right. Their spacing was, man, it was high level spacing. It looked like the shooters were sitting in the stands. Like they were that far out and there was no way you can get from the lane to the European three-point line to contest the shot. So I'm um, I'm gonna say this. Do you think they're more of a they play as a team versus no, individual? Oh, no doubt. But it's then it's the whole pace and space too, right, coach? That's right. You have a certain That's pace okay. and you're spacing everyone out and it's tough to defend. Man, it's it was no way they could. I was watching, and Real Madrid was one of the top U16 teams in the world. So I had a chance to really see it, and I was like, man, you know, they got a 6'6 kid in this corner, a 6'4 in this corner that are the sharpshooters. Then they had the two 6'8, 6'9, 6'10s that were running horns. And it was no way you were going to stop that guard from getting to where he wanted to kick the ball to the corner. So. They learn it at a young age. Over here, we learn aspects of the game. Jumping, you know, dunking, you know, ball handling. Those are just aspects of the game. Over there, they, they learn the whole game. So that's why you see 35, 40% of the NBA is international players, you know? Because right. yeah. I'm gonna say this. I was talking to Donnie when he drafted uh, Luca. And mm-hmm. like everybody else in Dallas, we were like, damn, because we, we wanted Trey Young. Am mm-hmm. I right? Am I right? And we were like, and, and, and uh, so I know Donnie, and Donnie said, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Yeah. Sure enough, it worked out, didn't it? <laughs> Look at it. I mean, yeah. you, you, so. you got a 6'7 that can shoot the ball from 25 feet, and he's, his intellect, his IQ is so high. Right. You know? If you six seven over here, you probably grew up trying to get a forty inch vertical dunk on somebody. Highlight. That's what the youth, the grassroots basketball is here. That's why we never play AAU because I was like, nah, I don't want to. And it even not even about one team. I'm talking about culture. So even if your team is passing and cutting, the other team is still running and gunning. So it's almost advantageous to get into that culture so that you can see how it all flows because that's what it's real basketball. It's real basketball here. I mean, we got the best athletes, no doubt. Um, but if you can't pass and cut, man, you're only going to play so long. All right. And you're going to be back overseas or in Mexico. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if you're making overseas the way you're talking. <laughs> uh, hey, I saw when I played over there, I saw the guys that you knew that averaged a lot of points in college and they get over there 
and they can't shoot. So, yeah, you might average 20 at UTA or something, right? Or North Texas. Or, but if you couldn't hit the 17 to 20 foot shot, it was nothing because they had, they played zone and they had two seven footers in the lane. Yeah. So it was, it was difficult. And that's how I thrived because I, I could play all the positions. I played the, at TCU when Kurt got hurt, Kurt Thomas got hurt, I played the four or five. So I'd be checking Bo Outlaw and those guys, but I would excel because my skill level was so high. You know, I was a guard, but I was strong, so I could go and play on the block. I would bring a big man out. And it was it was literally um, formulating my game so that I could play in Europe. Yep. A coach question for you. When you're working with um, young young basketball players, how much of your teaching is having them watch game tape of other like the Real Madrid team or, or other teams that you're impressed by and or having them sit with you and watching actual live games? Um, because I feel there's so much learning that can happen by watching other teams, kind of like you were impressed by that Real Madrid team and how they had pace and space. Yeah, I definitely always do that, man. And you know, now that we got these cell phones, you can go to YouTube and pull it up right away. Um, I always do that. I, I give them the why. You know, I don't just throw. I def, I don't even use the cones because you don't use cones in the game. I give them the why. Why are you doing this drill? Okay, then let me show you. Let me show you this. This is how this works. You know. Um, you got to train a player and develop a player at his position by what he's going to do in the game. And that's how I do it. Um, I'm not into all the gimmicks, you know, flip the tire, you know, do a cartwheel, <laughs> get the cone and pick it up and run around the gym two times and then shoot a jump hook from the half court. I, that's nonsense. You know, it's catch and shoot. It's one, two dribble stuff. Is set a screen roll, and if you can do those things, then you can play for a while. If you can only jump high, run fast, you can play uh, on the EYBL, or you, you might get to college. But you always see those guys that go to the next level, which may be from high school to college, and then you don't hear about them anymore because their skill set is not taught at a young age, so their foundation is, is lacking. They don't have that foundation. They just can run fast. They might be good street ball players, you know, but college on to the NBA and Europe. Nah, you got to have those concepts. Thank you. So, uh, coach, I, I want to kind of play around with you on your basketball cruise. What are you doing on the basketball cruise? That's hey, interesting. It's going to be game changer. We just couldn't do it this year because of the uh, COVID. Yeah. All right. After I after I did Disney, um, I had all kinds of people wanting to come to me because I had worked with Disney. So they were like, um, I talked to a guy and he was like, hey, I'm with Royal Caribbean and we have a cruise ship four in the world that has a full gym on it, full basketball court. Like, Six baskets, jumbotron, and then it sails out of New York, it sails out of Australia, the UK, and China. So the tour from Europe is going to be like my 
my flagship tour because it cruises from the UK to France to Spain, Portugal, also Belgium and Germany, and then up to the Scandinavian countries, right? So what I'm going to do is give teams an opportunity to go see Europe no like no other way you know so you're going to be on a five-star ship you're going to go and i did the cruise my family went on the cruise so we're going to do it it's a five-star ship you go up to the 18th floor that's your gym 17th floor is your weight room of course they got pools and all that all over the place and a team will start in the uk so say you bring a team your team will start in the uk and this is going to be for different ages so let's start with the elite player the college graduate all right so instead of going to vegas and hoping that a scout sees you i'm going to take them to the teams over in europe so we'll start in the uk you'll get there two days early work out for teams in the uk now you got a chance to get a job you got a chance to play in front of the teams all right we're going to board the ship board the ship of course we'll train we'll do everything we do Next morning you wake up, you're in France. We'll go out into France because you got a, a, a 17 hour layover. You'll be in France that regular passengers can go out and visit and tour and sightsee. The basketball players will go out and go straight to the gym where to be scouts waiting in France. All right, get back on the ship. You're gonna eat five star meals, walk around, party, do whatever you wanna do. Next morning you're in Spain. Doing the same thing, go out, work out for a team, play a game, two, whatever, come back. Next day you're in Portugal doing the same thing. So that's going to be how I'm formulating it for the pro guys. For college teams, same thing. College team can come over instead of doing that college tour where they may go to, they may go to Spain and they may stay right in the Spain area. But imagine a college team getting a chance to go there from eight days, nine days, and play in the UK, play a game in France, play a game in Spain, play a game in uh, Portugal, all right? And the high school team's all the same. So, you know, I contracted with them, so I got it. And all I got to do now is, you know, pray for this COVID-19 to get over with, and that's going to be like my, my flagship. I'm going to stop doing a lot of this stuff on land, and I'm taking teams to Europe. So that's going to be, so next year we'll, hopefully next year we'll kick it off. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah okay. Because I went, I went to your website and I saw that on it. And I was like, man, that's, I thought, because I was trying to find something out of the ordinary that you did. And that, yeah. I thought that was, that was interesting. But everybody does camp, you know, everybody. I know, got I know. But I, since I traveled, the one thing that I wanted was, I always would be, you know, wandering around the world somewhere, right? I'll be in Tokyo, and I'm like, man, I wish they could see this. Or I'll be in, you know, in Lati, Finland, or something. I wish they could see this. So now I'm setting up that experience so that individual players and teams can come and see the world through basketball. So I have one more question, and then I was going to let Ryan kind of finish it out. Really, two more. Uh, social media. How do you deal with your players and educate them on branding themselves because i mean you got the name image and likeness give me the hit uh next year 2021 and you know i'm just kind of curious on you know with 
your kids being in a camp, you sh- I know you incorporate that in there. So I just want to get your thoughts. You know, that's a big, um, that's a big step because, you know, just dealing with my son, man, it's like, okay, it's simple economics. You can go to college for free or you can go to Australia for 1.2. We know you can do that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> so, all right, well, then they came out with the NIL and I was like, wait a minute, you know, if you can play at a big time university, got a big marketing firm behind you, you know, and I'm way outside the box thinker anyway. I'm like, man, you might be able to go there and make millions of dollars for one year. But think about this. What if you could stay in college and make more money than in the NBA? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's going to happen soon, hopefully, I, I think. Think about it. Now, what if your first four years, I don't know, just say right now, guys are making between five and eight million a year. Okay, well, what if it's a Michigan or, uh, you know, that somebody, I don't know who, hey, we want to offer you this, and this is going to make us like a Texas. They got the right. network. You know, those Michigan and Texas got the networks. What if you can get into college and play for four years and make more money than you can make in the NBA? See, Zion Williamson could have if this had been in place for him. He he would have made a buttload of money at Duke even, right? That's right. That's right. You know, so it's so it's the wild, wild west because they ain't even going to be able to think all the way. I'm talking about Europe. Come on, man. That's a market too. I know. That's an open market, a big market. A whole nother market, you know? So (laughs) people aren't really thinking like that. They think here. Okay, you're here. Hey, you know, market here, but come on, man. What if you get in China? I say this too. You're a first round draft pick, right? You're making eight million a year for three years. What if it's a Chinese billionaire that'll give you fifty million to come over for three years? What you do? What if it's a Russian? What if it's a Russian? <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm going to what China. If- That's money, man. Think about it now. What if it's a Russian guy that says, hey, I want you to come play for Seska Moscow. We pay you $50 million for, for three years, tax-free. You're gone. You're gone. So it's so many different – and that's that's where I'm at, you know, and I'm privileged to have a son that is going to have opportunities coming up in the next two, three years. And, you know, he's got big-time clubs on him now. So I'm like, well – it's going to be things that I'm going to think about that the average person don't even know. They don't even know right. about European market. You know, they know here, but they don't know about Europe. What about India? See, people right. don't even know they got a pro league in India. But it's a billion people in India. What if you get a shoe deal in India and they sell your shoe to a half a billion people? Right. What you do? You know what I mean? Like, it's so many different opportunities that are out there. That's why, where do you see the NBA going? India? China? You know what I'm saying? They're going because they got so many people. You can sell Band-Aids. Australia's getting more money because of uh, Kevin Durant's bought a team. I think Brian Colangelo's buying a team. Like, there's more money coming into even Australia, which is a very similar market to – Texas or California and like weather wise, but 
our winters are their summer. So it's if the money gets there too, Australia's gonna be pretty pretty tempting. But coach, yeah. I, I know independent journalists. There's a bunch of people who I look to for business advice. <laughs> different models uh, Matthew Johnson has done really well as a businessman you have all these great business ideas who are some business mentors that you have or who are some people that you look up to for their business savvy I'm gonna tell you the first one I looked up to was Master P Master, uh, Master P Master P had there never be another Master P in the rap game never and see, I'm an entrepreneur, so I ain't gonna take the bag. You know, you, you ain't gonna be able to buy me. Not like that. It's gotta be like some over the top. You ain't gonna be able to buy me. So I'm always trying to see how to make the dollar myself where I, I can cut out the middleman. See, I, I represented myself, I played 10 years. I represented myself seven of those years. So I was always, I told you, I don't wanna work for nobody. So you give me a million dollars, then you call on my phone saying, hey, you know, what you doing? Now, nah, I don't want you calling me. I'd rather make 100000 and have my freedom, right? Yep. So that was the first one. Then I have a partner. Um, he's in New York, and he's he works on Wall Street. And I will go down there, man, throw on my suit and tie and walk around Wall Street and just watch how money works, you know, he take me to different companies and, and different CEOs we eat with and talk to. I'd be at the deal with him. And he'd just like, just sit and listen, you know, listen and learn. So with basketball on a, say, grassroots level, kind of the halfway, not up at the corporate level, but down here, most of the business people are coaches. So even when you started with camps, like you went to my website, there ain't a lot of people that got a website like that not on the grassroots level. They got some camps, but most of the people running the camps are coaches. All right. So they ain't even thinking about no crews like I'm thinking. No, no, that, that, that's out of the question, man. You, I you know, that. Yeah, so. That's I, out of the question. My last, I'm gonna tell you my last, uh, my last team I played with um, was over in, in the Philippines. I played with San Miguel and these three women, they met me after my first practice. And they were like, hey, we make all the NBA players suits and shoes. They had a big book. And right then I was like, all right, I want to be a businessman. I'm about to go buy a bunch of suits and shoes, cases. <laughs> you know, I was going to look like it, you know, at least. Right. So I started there. I knew I wanted to get into business because it, it intrigued me, right? And I was in it and didn't know it when I was playing. You know, I was doing international contracts and reading contracts, man, just, um, you know, 29 years old, 27 years old, negotiating a deal. I had to go to arbitration by myself with Toshi. You know, there's been teams that owe me money and then I had to go out and get my money. And that was just a form of business. I didn't know it, but it was. So those guys were the initial and now, man, I just read up on a lot of people on, I might go to YouTube, I might watch different shows um, and read about how people are operating in the international market. Yeah. Smart. That's smart. Yeah. Hey, I, since you brought up one thing, I just want to say this. You brought up about representing yourself. And, I mean, what do you 
I'm just curious. Obviously, what is your thought on an agent? Do you think, I mean, the bottom line is, do you, I mean, obviously you could do it yourself. You can. Um, okay, well, it's, most people don't know what they want, first of all. Most people can't read a contract. So right. I ain't going to say the agent is bad or whatever. Now, there's instances where agents may rob a player or all kind of horror stories you hear. Um, and that really is what helped me to become my representation because first agent wanted the team to pay him 10% and me pay him 10%. And I was like, nah, that don't, that doesn't go that way. The team is just supposed to pay my fee and that's it. Right. I'm like, all right, you're trying to rob me already. I'm going to get over here. I'm going to play and I'm going to meet this, this Spanish agent or this Japanese agent, or this Greek agent. And I would just connect with them because I couldn't speak the language. But I cut out that guy that was in Tennessee or in New York because he couldn't speak the language either. He was just going to the same guy. And I was like, well, I don't need you to talk to him because when it goes down while I'm in Spain, why am I call way back to New York to handle a situation in Madrid? Um, so that was for me, but some people are going to need to at least start because you just don't have any guidance. Nobody's in college saying this is how um, representation works. You know, this is how you read a And once I understood the contracts, I just implemented what I wanted. I, I wow. knew what I wanted, you know, as a, just as a human, I want to live good, eat good, you know, have something to drive, uh, give me my bonus monies like this, and then maybe give me two months up front, plane tickets. And I understood what I wanted. So I just took that with me, man, and all across my career. And now I can read a contract in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode of the Chalk Talk Podcast. If you've gotten this far, I'm hoping, I'm assuming you are a fan, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And as always, thanks for listening.